0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. I went to Bladen Racist, was on the
1: 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. Took the bus from Balbras, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to blade. Oh, my lads, you should have seen us gannin' passing the folks along the road just as they were standing. All the lads and lassies there, and all with smiling faces, yelling along the Scotswood Road to see the Bladen races. Loop past Armstrong's factory, you know to the robin and air. But gunning or the railway bridge, the bus wheel flu off the ball. Hello and welcome to CHM Radio the episode 145. It is our case in a broken nose gun uh, into breaking. we are excited oh, about the well, show.
2: Are we excited? Yeah for Newcastle United. Um but we're gonna
1: all talk
2: about the, the season this either season way. But we're
3: hey
2: we're all small stay up. And we'll and we'll get into it because we'll have takes about everything that they're about this blow, uh, from this season. the frustrations there was good times we'll talk about those i promise uh but we also have a special guest with us to help us take us through the season because knowing how much elijah and i drink we definitely forgot about a lot uh but to introduce the best damn coast in the land elijah Newsom. how are we doing
3: unreal living the dream living the um, dream yeah, living the dream. Excited wow. to be here to once again talk about another season in which Newcastle did like the bare minimum to 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 stay relevant. So, uh, shout out to Newcastle; they did it. They stayed up, and we're yeah. going to talk about it. Yeah, and then
2: also we're going to bring in a very special guest dear to your hearts. He is uh, hot when it's eighteen degrees outside. His name Graham Bell. How you well, doing? Enough
4: morning afternoon all um yes yeah yeah i'm i'm good, Operating good. a
2: nice eight hour time difference now yeah
4: yeah Three i different mean time I, zones. I don't think i'm ever good but um <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, adequate, <laughs> I'm adequate um yeah um yeah excited to to talk about how mundane newcastle united have been again <laughs>
2: The way the oh. your voice is, your tone, is like perfectly how I would describe the season. Like the yeah. way you're describing it is perfect. I love it. <laughs> <This> <laughs> All right, so great. so just some housekeeping. Uh, we are going to take a little break before the season starts. Like when the players get a break, so do we. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're coming back in less than two weeks, and so will we. Yeah. Um, so, we'll, But obviously for any emergency updates, there's still a lot going on in Newcastle world. And one thing we learned from the lockdown is that, when there's no sports, there's one thing that's always true is Newcastle United will be in the news. Um, So you you may hear from us well before two weeks, uh, but obviously if something significant happens, whether it's a signing, whether it's takeover updates, um, you'll definitely hear from us either way. But for this show, we'll just be talking about this season and we'll have a lot to go off of. We're gonna do like talk about what we thought going into the year some storylines uh we're going to give out some awards um and it's going to be hopefully a nice fun show for us so let's start with before the season started um where wh- how did how did everyone feel going into the season uh steve bruce <laughs> uh rafa's mags uh, what where did you think we would finish uh we'll start with you graham
1: uh-
4: Um, I thought we were going to finish 17th, I thought we would scrape by, and I thought that it would be very much doom and gloom pretty much all the way through the season, and I think I've been pretty much spot on apart from the 17th, Yeah, Um, but it's just been a struggle really, and I thought I, I I don't know. I just think we've been very lucky that there's been three other teams that have been incredibly poor.
3: It, no I mean, poor really we... four if you include Villa. Well, four, Villa. Yeah. Villa looked like a team that definitely deserved to go down, but you know, things happen.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah, but but yeah, I, I wasn't positive, and I, and I, I I would say no one was going into it. So, um, yeah, not positive at all, but I I thought we would scrape through.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, Elijah, do you have – do you know what our predictions were prior to the season?
3: I thought we'd done an article, but I guess we only did a podcast. So I okay. have no idea. But I feel like we both – I think I'm pretty sure I picked this to finish right about the relegation zone, probably like 16th or 17th as well. Um, yeah. Purely because I felt we had – um I mean, at that point, we were both really giddy about the, the front three of ASM, Joel Linton and uh and, Mickey, and we thought that, you know, we knew we had a solid defense. And no matter what Steve Bruce did, he couldn't ruin that. Boy, was I wrong about that. And I was like, we, we'll be able to scrape by with a bunch of draws and a couple wins. And, I mean, I guess I was, was pretty spot on about that. So um, around 16th or 17th as well.
2: Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think what I did is I said that we would finish 17th and then I said that in, like, slack, like, we're going to get relegated.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you did I think say I, that in the slack. I, I, I like, switched my prediction. I, would like, hopped out of it. But, and then, uh, like, it looked like that was going to happen after the, the first match of the season where Jeter well, Willows came on and played central midfield.
2: And then the, sec- the second match was it for me. Um, yeah got smoked by Norwich and I was like okay yeah we're we're done <laughs> yeah
4: uh, I really wish you wouldn't have reminded me of that day lads
2: <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that Greg. um but as like you're adequate so it can only go down from here you know
4: yeah that's true that's <laughs> true the only way is down
2: yeah uh what about what about players going into the season I'm trying to think back uh, Elijah is there a player that you thought that you were like really high on
3: uh going into this season I mean, obviously, I've got the Atlanta bias, so I wanted Miggy to do well this season. Um, I, I mean, I kept citing all of those stats about chances created when uh, he came, came to Newcastle and how that had improved um, because, you know, he was a bit of a, a distraction and, and drew a lot of attention to himself just due to his speed and all that kind of stuff. So I thought he was going to have a, a really solid season um, and really push himself um, to be one of the better players in the side. I mean, I guess I was technically right. I wouldn't yeah. say he was our best player. I don't know. I don't think he's our best player, but I'd say he was certainly one of the most important players for the club this season.
4: I mean, there's not very many contenders. Yeah.
3: It's, it's him and one like, of the three four, other four. one
2: of yeah. the four possible submissions you could have. <laughs> uh, what about you Graham?
4: Um, I actually thought um Sean Longstaff was going to kick yeah. on uh this year and how very wrong was I. Um, <laughs> I I thought he would come back from his injury really well. Um, it d- didn't go well for him this year. Um, picked up niggling injuries, as pretty much 99% of the squad has. Mm. And it's just affected him. And I, I don't think he's really gone backwards or forwards um, in his development. He's just stayed the same. Um, but I was really hoping that he would... Take charge of the of the midfield, but um, yeah. wasn't a b. Maybe next season. That's always next season.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna agree with you on Sean Longstaff. I, you know, I get hype anytime a player comes up from the academy and and plays for the first team. So that's something I was really looking forward to. One thing we did discover is like he's not bad at the ten.
3: Had some good at yeah, the ten
1: yeah. this year. But uh,
3: but then he got injured. <laughs> yeah. Like 35 minutes into <laughs> being a ten, he got injured.
2: Yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, but when you play him at a six or an eight against even Rochdale, uh, he didn't do well. So uh, that's not a good sign. But um, uh, we, we can just go through this quickly. Uh, what? What? Who do you think was top scorer for a sister going to Tennessee? Do you remember who would lead in that? I don't even remember what I said. I think I said Joe I'm
3: pretty sure everyone thought that you, you slide a 40 million pound price tag on a player, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fair to assume everyone thought Joe Linton was coming in be the top scorer. Um, actually, at that point, not many people knew much about Anse Maxman. Um, and if anything, uh, his biggest knock was that as a winger he didn't have a lot of assists. So I went with Miguel Rödén for being top assister, especially okay. because at Atlanta United he was—that's what he was really known for. He really wasn't that much of a goal scorer himself; way more known for for his assists on you know counters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Graham?
4: I uh, for for top assist, um, I went for. John Joe, um, because I nice. thought I thought Steve Bruce would give him a more th- kind of freer role. Um, I, I I don't know if that's really been the case. He has improved dramatically under Bruce, though. Um, I'd say that opinion. there's
3: been a, a lot of goals that there's been a lot of Shelby passes that should have been goals. We'll oh, just leave it yeah, at
4: that. Yeah, so yeah, and then um, for <laughs> top scorer, I went for Big Joe. As we like to call him, um, but yeah, I agree with Elijah. If you stick that amount of money on him you 're going to expect so much from him totally. and totally. i th- I think that's been the the main the main issue for him because he 's come in with so much expectation. If you take away the forty million pound or whatever it was, um, he 's still taking the number nine shirt, and that 's a huge amount of pressure. To take as well for such a young lad, and going into a new league with no language at all, um, you know it—it's—it's—it's it's, it's difficult for him, um, and it's just proved to be a bit of a stinker, hasn't it? Really.
2: Yeah, and in my last pre preseason question for you is: Who do you think? What signing do you think would have made the most impact? So I'm going to read the signings from July uh, and August, just to refresh everyone's memory. Uh, but we had Jolinton. Uh, we had Kyle Scott. We had Jake Turner, Jethro Willems, Alan St. Maxman, Emil Croft, Andy Carroll, and Ludwig Frenzelet.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting a similar crop of names this season, to be honest. A, a lot yeah. of youth guys – we've already made a, a couple of youth signings already that the club are going to tout is like, our, our – marquee signings of Oh, Elijah? Um, <laughs> Are you still there? Oh, man. Um, partially because he was one of the players I'd already heard of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, I think who well, I thought it was going to be Alan St. Maxman. Um, I mean, I had heard of him already. I, I mean, I'm a huge FIFA guy. He's been one of those fun guys to use in FIFA in a while. I'd seen him at Nice, I knew about the Gucci headband ahead of time. I just knew he was—he was exciting to watch. I didn't know much about Joelinton at all. I'm um, outside of the few uh, matches I'd seen of him in the Bundesliga last season. I thought he was okay. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was going to be. I would say Maxman Yeah. What about you, Graham?
4: Uh, shockingly, I had two um, out of that list of grand oh. names you you reeled off there. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, not it wasn't Kyle Scott. Um, <laughs> I had uh, ASM and Andy Carroll, and I will never live that down. That last one. Um, no, um, I'll say, thought, hey,
3: Andy Carroll, like he led the team in assists or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, he's
4: yeah. I mean, he, he's done all right, hasn't he? But there we go. Yeah. Um, no, I I saw quite a bit of ASM um, in the French league, and I thought he would. Do pretty well um, over here, and you know he he did start off horribly with that injury, and he picked up hamstring injuries and, and things like that. But since since uh, the restart, he's just looked phenomenal. Um, yeah. And I think uh, I think just getting him fit and wearing a go has been the main thing. Um, but he reminded me of um, Ben Arthur, and he still does really, um, but. He's still got a bit of a way to go to reach that level I think mm.
2: yeah Um so just just to break it up a little bit we uh, we were recording this during the FA Cup final and Graham Bell predicted that Christian Pulisic would get a hat trick today and he just scored six minutes into the to the final so um, so we're really we got we got 84 minutes to get two more <laughs> Uh, so great prediction there, Graham. Um,
4: Thanks.
2: So we're we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna head into the season. We're gonna we're just gonna be a meaty dive in. Um. So we'll 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 get into that. We'll talk about Rafa. We'll talk about Bruce. We'll talk about everything that went on the big storylines. Um. And we're gonna do that right after this break.
0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants, and hotels, home and away. Download the free Tune Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
2: All right, and uh, with with any season in Newcastle United, it is filled with storylines, filled with talking points and uh, drama and everything that it's it's the club we love. That's why it's that's just part of us. We can be punching horses to getting taken over by the biggest consortium in the world or not happening anything could happen that's my point uh so the first thing I want to talk about and it was the it's the biggest storyline all offseason going up into the new year was Rafa Benitez leaving Newcastle United and being replaced by Steve Bruce and just the absolute just I mean the craziness all around that because everyone knew how significant Rafa was to this club and how much Rafa meant to this club. And then bringing in a local lad who managed Sunderland, he had, he had his baggage and like he, you know, he loves Newcastle or says he loves Newcastle and, you know, great. He's a, he's a funny guy, Steve Bruce, but there's, there's a ton of drama around this. And obviously because we knew Rafa leaving meant that potential was leaving Newcastle United. And it was a very tough moment for me. As a Newcastle United fan, but I'd love to get uh, your guys' thoughts. We'll we'll get we'll get Graham's take on this
4: one. Um, well, I think I posted in the Slack channel a, a lot, uh, well, a while before it actually happened, um, and the months leading up to it, I I was saying, look, he's he's gone. You know, there there is no way he's going to stay on, um, and you know, it it's it is what it is it, it it was ridiculous he he changed the club he you know he he brought back the fans basically um you know we were so divided we were fighting amongst ourselves a bit like today um the last few days actually um and you know he just united everyone again and got us all pulling in the same direction and for him to go in the way he did was just quite gut wrenching and quite sad, really, um, because I would have liked him to have left on his own terms, like a lot of other people would have done. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said from the start, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be replaced by someone, you know, way below his standard, and it would be reverting back to type as like hiring a, an Alan Parger or Steve McLaren, and we got Steve Bruce, so you know it's it's proved to be the case and i like steve as a as a man i, I like him but he's nowhere near good enough to to manage his football club
3: hmm. yeah It's i think you're spot on and i have to agree with what greg said about when rafa left it seemed like potential left i think that that's spot on there um you come in and you replace him with a guy who uh his only record is uh Having promoted the most teams from the championship to the Premier League, and uh, you know that's not great, and then his other record is being one of the losingest coaches in Premier League history, so to go from Rafa to that is is laughable, and it was a weird decision all around, um, especially when uh, like there was money that was going to be spent, as you guys saw, but uh, there was just a Mike actually felt that he wanted to spend it his way instead of the way Rafa wanted to spend the money and ultimately that's what it came down to is just a difference of agreement as to how the club should be run and for that to be the reason for a world-class manager to step away from a club is it's 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 honestly just disheartening to say the least it was a rough start to the season
4: yeah you know what yeah. i've always actually questioned um it's just popped into my head again actually you know um actually gave mclaren pretty much a war chest and you know he's he's spent money for with Steve Bruce and those two managers are just you know they're they're like Championship or League One standard and um, and you bring Rafa Benitez in Champions League winner and give him peanuts. To like think about that it Champions no League sense.
2: winner. Yeah, and he doesn't like, to say those words and like doesn't take advantage of that. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and the thing is, and and the big. The big challenge for me is like the the lack of trust between the two, or let's let's say between the board, the the, the people, the decision makers at Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez. So, the, and this has been reported in multiple sources, and we can get into this too. Um, is Jolinton? Jolinton became a record signing. So McGamron got it, then shortly after, um, six months after Jolinton got that 40, 40 million and. Huge deal. We never thought we would see Mike Ashley spend that kind of money. And Mike Ashley was going to spend that money with Rafa Benitez. But Rafa said, if you're spending that money, don't do it on Jolinton. He's not good enough. And wonder who is right there so far. I mean, Jolinton's young, and he could get better and better. But, like, Rafa was right for this season. Um, like, if you're going to spend 40000000 million, let's not do it on him. Or let's do it to 20 million pound players that are going to make a difference. Like, he was completely against the signing. And, um, and, like, the, the decision-makers, Mike Ashley and, and Lee, they, they didn't trust Rafa in that they wanted this guy and they didn't care that Rafa didn't want him. And that's part of the reason why he left is, like, like look, I know, like, I know what I'm doing. You just make the club, make sure the club's profitable and give me, give me that money. We'll
4: make it work. Yeah. I think that was part of the problem, though. Um, as much as I love Rafa, he, he does like to play politics. And Ashley doesn't like that at all. He he likes to be the the yes man man. in charge. You know, he's he's the he's the guy, you know. Um and you know, when Rafa was there, he kinda overshadowed Ashley and, and Ashley didn't like it, um, because he was playing second fiddle and Yep,
2: and the post game you know, press conferences that Rafa gave, like basically putting everything in Ashley's court, like he he was a master a very, politician. Yeah,
4: really. He's a very, very clever clever man and he knows how to get things out of people and he knows how to get what gets what get get what he wants basically in the end um so and if and if and if he doesn't like something he'll just he'll just walk away Yeah. yeah yeah
2: definitely um that decision and elijah i'd love to get your take on this because you actually interviewed these people so this this decision caused i mean the fan base was in absolute dire straits boycotts protests Everything was getting played. New Twitter accounts were being made left and right about what we should do next. Um, But one of the significant decisions is at the end of last year, uh, war flags came into play in a significant way. Like an international spotlight was put on this group and they had, I mean, definitely the most amazing displays I've seen in Newcastle United um, in a short span of time. Uh, That one display where they, they had everybody's name and they went to, Wherever, whatever country, Poland or whatever, to pick it up and drove it all the way back. But they decided, they made the decision that if Mike Ashley was to get rid of Rafa, that we will no longer uh, have any displays at Newcastle United matches as long as Mike Ashley's owner. And Elijah actually interviewed them about that. Uh, So I'd love to get your take, Graham, because you're very close with the the folks there too. But uh, we'll start with Elijah and then Graham, when Elijah's done, just go right in on your thoughts.
3: Yeah, I mean it. It was a monumental decision because you talk about uh, one of the few supporters groups and that that actually had a direct link with the club. Uh, those guys actually had a you know a, a relationship with with the team um, because obviously displays of of that magnitude benefit everyone. It makes the team look good. It makes the fans look good. It makes um, everyone involved look good. Um, and so for them to walk away, I think it was a big step. And uh, it kind of was a tipping point, I think, for a lot of, a lot of reasons. I mean, for the past, ever since we started this podcast, we've been talking about fan protests and fan unrest and Graham, you've been a big part of that as well. Um, being there uh, as a part of these protests and there's always just been, um, you know, a lack of commitment towards the end. I remember the sit in versus city is, is one that comes to mind. And Graham was one of the few that actually sat in, but it was going to be a nationally televised game. There's going to be a sit in. And of course, um, there's a lot of people talking a lot of talk. Um, I mean, thousands of people saying they were, going to, they were going to participate. And at the end of the day, it was only a few few people. And uh, regardless of the circumstances, I, I know that we won that day and Miguel Amrone was confirmed to come to the club. Like, but regardless of the circumstances, if you're going to protest, you got you to gotta protest. And so when War Flag stepped away, I was like, oh, wow, like, stuff is getting real. Like There's actually um, some movement behind this. And even then, um, I, I still thought the majority of the fan base was still going to stick around. And, um, I mean, technically, I guess I was right. I wrote a whole piece about, you know, the If Rafa Goes, We Goes movement, and they'd been saying that this whole summer. And, I mean, at the end of the day, Rafa left, and Newcastle still, especially as the season went on, still had decent attendance. Um, Obviously not the best, but still there were still thousands of fans that showed up. So. Uh, I don't know. It was it was interesting, and it was it was definitely impactful that War Flags left, and they still are not affiliated with the club right now. Um, and hopefully, we'll see them back soon. I know Graham. I believe you wrote a piece about even missing uh, War Flags, uh, so I know this is a big deal for you.
4: Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the guys. Um, you know that do it, and, and they did such a, a wonderful job. Um, but you have to you have to look at it from. From their point of view, um, and you know, th- there's been a lot of supporters that have walked away, and, and credit to them um, because we're, we're stuck in this kind of—I don't know—this kind of vortex of nothingness. I suppose um, <laughs> where there's just the only thing you have is to turn up and support the team. There's no ambition there. There's There's nothing to kind of reward you for that, for that support. It is just basically lambs to the slaughter way of thinking. You're turning up to watch absolute rubbish served up to you week in, week out. And you're paying your hard-earned money. To go there and you you sit through it and you think why do I do this every week, and that is what War Flags have been feeling and the majority of the fan base. And the th- the thing that gets me is they were so influential, um, you know, with their displays. The one against Liverpool was was amazing. Um, you know, so much time, so much effort went into building all these displays, um, so much money as well. Um, was raised you know and and to be treated with well they they were just treated like nothingness it it was just it was just like okay you can go it 's fine it 's fine there was no the sort of isn 't appear to be an attempt from the club to to try and salvage the salvage the relationship there and that 's the thing that really really got on my nerves um because they as soon as rafa went pretty much the soul and identity went out of this football mm. club. Um, and, you know, war flags are, are a great part of that. And I, I do miss them um, because match days without that, without those lads there as well, creating the atmosphere, it's it's a bit like a graveyard.
2: Mm. Yeah, very well said. Um, let, let's get – let's dive more into the season now. So uh, we it was – it was a, certainly a, a time, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, we, we originally started it uh, or talked about just the the awful opener against Arsenal and then getting kind of drubbed by Norwich 3-1. Um, and then Joelinton got his goal, which gave us the hope. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, the rest of, like, it, it took a while to get into to things. And, and really the, the first one that I want to talk about, the first the first match I want to talk about, is uh, beating Manchester United. Um Uh-oh. wasn't till October, but we were, I mean, I'm looking at the results now. So we after we beat Spurs, we drew Watford, we lost to Liverpool, we drew Brighton, we lost 5-0 to Leicester, and then Maddie Longstaff happened against Manchester United. Uh, like let's let's talk about that moment. Just uh, the, getting that goal. When we needed. We, I mean, we needed points. We were in the we were in the drop zone, it was yeah. looking really ugly um what what do you think that moment did for the rest of the season for newcastle because that moment propelled us and we we started getting a lot more points from that moment on uh whoever wants to talk yeah jump.
4: Okay. um i will say that that was probably my favorite moment of the season yeah. um it was just the atmosphere that day was 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 nice it was you know it was kind of turning back time a little bit and it, you know, it it was really nice to be a part of. Um and I like Matty Longstaff and I will add that it's absolutely criminal that he's no longer a part of the club. Um but I think I think it was brilliant. I thought ASM was was class that day, as was um Willems. The the whole team was was really good. Um but we like you say we desperately needed that that result because I remember being at Leicester in the pouring rain. Um witnessing a absolute drumming um so um you know it it was kind of like chalk and cheese from uh the Leicester result to to that but I feel like we we generally turn up against the big team
3: yeah yeah uh what's your thoughts Elijah I mean I just think you you need that one uh that one big win to kind of rejuvenate the team and get the fans back involved and and kind of prove to yourself that you can do it. I mean, the Tottenham win was a, an ugly win, but at, at the end of the day, at that time, Tottenham looked awful. Um, Tottenham were, were pretty bad as well. So it didn't really feel uh, didn't really feel like a, a big win. But the Manchester United uh, win, when you look at the players that they have on that roster, there, there was no holes on that roster. It steamed at the time. So, you know, getting that win and kind of, Shades of the Rafa Benitez days. It was like, okay, this is who we are. We're a team that we defend well, and we take our chances. And you know, we could we could give the biggest teams a run for their money. And I think that did well for the confidence. And as you kind of saw, the results started to started to come through. I mean, Newcastle started to pick up some some results um, towards the end of that that uh, that that I guess those couple months um, closing out 2019 and, and going into January. So it, it was a big confidence thing for me.
2: Yeah. Uh, The the other thing to note is our defenders. (laughs) So I'm going to read you some of the goals. Uh, The goals that we scored from the beginning of the year. Ready? Mm -hmm. So we had Shelby, Jolinton, Muto. That's it in the EFL Cup, League Cup. Uh, Then Cher, Willems, Matty Longstaff, Lascelles, Clark, Fernandez, Shelby, Yedlin, Clark, Willems, Shelby. And then St. Maximin finally got his on December 5th. Uh, along with Shelby again, uh, Shelby then scored in the next match with Fernandez. so the the defenders were coming up huge for us in the beginning of the season. They were our catalyst. Yeah. It, it did not make sense. We've never seen this amount of goal output from a back line before. Uh, what What was your thought on, on that? Just the, we haven't even talked about the the most the biggest like, match when it comes to defender scoring to oh me, yeah in a minute so like um so like what what's your thought on, on that whole first half run where it was just like i mean yedlin was scoring <laughs>
3: like yeah yedlin <laughs> got his first and probably only premier league goal ever no
2: yes yeah, i think it's two or three yeah,
3: but, yeah. well one first, against city. first with newcastle i think yeah i think that was his first premier city. league goal in newcastle okay yeah.
2: he got
4: one against city last year I think. yeah and he scored um, in the
2: championship i know yeah. but yeah yeah uh, but yeah, let's talk about that. What 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 are your thoughts of all those goals from the <laughs> defense? <laughs> and, uh, and Cher at times. I mean, like he close. had some. I mean, first half share had some Hayden Benarfa moments. Uh, he just he had no fe- he had no fear, like just taking the ball up the pitch and just said like, come and t- come and take it.
4: I feel like if well I know if um if the defenders haven't stepped up. Would probably be relegated. Um, crucial goals, and most of them, well, the majority of them. if Correct me if I'm wrong. Were from set pieces, um so that shows yeah. how crucial they are. Um, but it, it's it's a bit of a joke in this. I, I yeah. just it, it it depresses me that start. Um, it depresses me that John Joe Shelby is top Premier League scorer. Um, yeah, but. You know, it it's it, it's a good thing that they're propping up and and scoring. Uh, but that that first few months was was just insane. It was really really ridiculous. Um, and I thought the strikers were never ever going to score a goal because there was a time where it was it was just not going in for Miggy or ASM or Jordan. And I think I can't remember who it was against. It might have been West Ham, um, but um, ASM the three two. Um, yeah, ASM. Um, it it would it should have gone in, and it was going in, and it hit Miggy in the back and went yeah. out for a goal kick. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that just sums our luck up."
3: Yeah, yeah. I was going to touch on that. It, it seemed that the strikers and and the forwards were unlucky, but then you look at the system, and it just was not a system that was built to to attack at all. Uh, I think, you know, Steve Bruce tried his best to emulate a Rafa Benitez system. And I think that's another storyline is like, until uh, Steve Bruce started picking up results, he basically blamed uh, the defensive mentality of the team on uh, Rafa Benitez. Meanwhile, Newcastle were still giving up a ton of goals. Uh, that's, that's the, that's the, the other thing was like, I don't, I don't really know what he was trying to get out there. Um, but the system was not, it was not built to, uh, to, for for our forwards to to score and, um, ironic, not ironically, but our forwards have looked their best when we switched our, our our mentality and our system to that back four. Uh, that's when we saw the best of ASM the best of Magee, um, and honestly the best of Joel Linton. So I do think that that first half was just like, all right, well, this system is clearly not working. The fans knew it. Steve Bruce knew it, but no one wanted to change it. Um, because somehow, some way Newcastle were still picking up results. Um, but yeah, it w- it is a depressing stat to have all these defenders score.
4: I think he was scared to change the system because yeah. when he changed it against Leicester, we got pumped, and there was a yeah. few times that that happened. And he was, and I get, I I actually understand where he was coming from on that because mm-hmm. the the players were so comfortable in that formation and it worked so well that he was afraid to change it. And I, I guess this is where I have a bit of sympathy for Steve Bruce. Um, and I, I don't think it would have mattered who came in to replace Rafa. Totally they would have prefer. had the same issue. But it took him a while to to kind of get, I guess, build up the confidence to put his own stamp on the team to really change it up and, and have the confidence to change it. Because if you cha- if you change to four four two straight away um, and you get pumped, like, say we got pumped like 6-0 off Arsenal, there's no going back then. Mm-hmm. But he gradually changed it, and I think that was the best way to go about it. So yeah. I think he deserves credit for that. I'll probably get pelters for that, but you know.
2: No, no, no. The, the, there was times,
3: I mean... No, I, before, that's something we've said.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that as, as being... I mean, he, he made some adjustments that were really good like decisions. Even right after the restart, and we can get to that. He made some adjustments that like, led directly to goals. Yeah. Um, it didn't end well for him, but like there was, there was positive things there. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is for this season is is from that moment. For, it was really from that December fifth goal Saint Maximin had in the fifteenth minute against Sheffield United that that started the the. It was really the Saint Maximin show and the Almiron show because it was only a few weeks after that where Almiron finally got his first goal. Yeah,
1: um,
2: and then Almiron went on a run, scoring at will for a little bit there. And just those two just, just started taking over. Um, and uh, it, was, it was more of, the, I guess, the person who, who – ASM took it the whole way. He took it the rest of the season. Amron came in and came out at times. But, but either way, like, those two became pivotal for us in, the, in that middle of the season. Um, Elijah, being, like, being a Atlanta boy, got, got your Mickey goal finally. Uh, how, how did you feel about their pair-up in the midfield this year?
3: Honestly, I, I thought it was it was it was quite great, and uh, I think quite, my my yeah, it was quite great. Uh, I think the only comment I really have because I think what's what's been said is is completely spot on. Both of the players are obviously important in different ways. I, I remember I can't remember who it was against. Um, no, it was against it was against wolves. Uh, where you, it's kind of you see, uh, just like both of them are important in different ways. Obviously, ASM draws attention uh, to himself with his dribbling and his ability to create space and, and opportunities for others. But, you know, there's some things that Mickey has done that, you know, you're not expecting ASM to do. Like when Mickey chased down Adama Traore to to win the ball back against the Wolves match, you're taking on one of the fastest men in in the world at the moment who was in the best form. (laughs) Yeah. Literally the best form of anyone. He was like, like he came in and as a right wing back and winger, just like immediately was starting to get linked to real Madrid. Uh, he was on top of the world. And, and that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that, that, you know, you, you almost take for granted, but it was one of those things where it's like, wow, they have, it's important to have both of these lads on the side. And it was honestly unfortunate um, that I think, I mean, kind of a story I didn't write down, but it has to be worth mentioning was just the injury trouble at Newcastle this season uh, and whether you, you want to blame that on, on matches played or training or whatever, but Newcastle had an absurd amount of injuries. And ASM was victim to that, where he, he messed up his hamstring early on in the season. And for that whole first half of the season, it was you get two weeks of St. Maximin at like 75%, and then he's out for another two weeks. And so, uh, him getting back and being fully healthy, especially going into January and going after that, I think that was key for Newcastle as well. Having him there consistently, having him there and able to play for for a lot of the season, um, closing out the season.
4: Yeah, um, I I thought they were they were tremendous, really, uh, both players. Um, the apart from the Matty Longstaff moment, one of my favorite moments was was Mickey's first goal because you could see like it was it was really affecting him because it'd gone so long without notching and and then just the relief and it was one of the best atmospheres that day as well
2: When he hugged do you the think, ball boy
4: and i just loved it
2: yeah going up to the to the ball boy was great uh yeah. do you think anyone was yelling louder than miguel amaran in the stadium yeah i was you were <laughs> you were yelling out i mean miguel i could tell was screaming at the top of his lungs when he scored yeah. that goal uh, yeah. so that was that was fantastic to see, because I mean he he's so infectious to watch, right? His smile and like just just ha- like you just see his work that he puts in, and like he's always happy. And then seeing yeah. that goal, we were just like everyone in Newcastle wanted him to score like so yeah. bad for so long, and to finally get it, and then to go on a little bit of run too was like super yeah. refreshing because we're like, okay, he might act he might work, like he might actually do it and consistent.
4: Um, yeah, he's one of the. The the players that actually benefited from the cup run, um, yeah. you know, he got he got a few goals a um, in the FA Cup and and I think that really kind of set him on his way um, for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I just love them both. Um, I love ASM more because you know he's my boy. But, yeah, um,
2: I mean, actual friend ASM.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, just name dropping there. Sorry, um, yeah. but no, I I think they're crucial to the team um miggy's work work rate is is beyond it's just beyond a joke isn't it like like that that wolves game you were talking about um i'm pretty sure he he um he overtook triore on the on the speed stat, didn't he i'm sure he was quicker than yeah him. like
2: he hit, yeah and, and that's on, just, that, on like, that same play
4: mental yeah that's just insane
2: yeah, also um just a couple other storylines to mention before we get into awards. Uh one is is this is a kind of a tough day because today is Maddie Longstaff is without Newcastle United right now, and Newcastle United is without Matty Longstaff. So most of this season was was talking about that, that just getting the contract signed. Now he's eligible to go on a free. Um I know Mike Ashley's not happy about that. <laughs> And what what are your thoughts on on this whole situation? I think
4: he gives a toss, to be honest, Greg. Yeah, could um, be. <laughs> it's just it's criminal. I touched on it before. It is it's criminal. He is, in my opinion, better than his brother, and he Ooh. he's very young, um, and he has a lot of improving to do. But he's got so 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 much potential, and he has shown that. Um, he showed that at the at the start of the season, and I am really, really upset about him him being without a club, being without Newcastle United. He was released um, at a very young age. Um, I remember him telling me, and he told me that he did everything he could to get back to Newcastle United. So I only, I can only hope that that is in his thinking again. But who knows, if you put it like this, would you really sign an extension for this club now the way it is?
2: That's, that's a tough question. You know, and, and it's going to be an interesting transfer window because of that same reason. I mean, the, the spotlights yeah. on Newcastle uh, do, and that's the next thing is this takeover, which obviously uh, took up most of the season. And, and obviously we had some very difficult news to take uh, earlier this week. But uh, the takeover put Newcastle in the spotlight. It put the whole – like the during the lockdown, Newcastle was the most talked about soccer club, football club in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, and so now that that's not happening, players take notice uh, because the spotlight was on that. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting transfer window. The other thing to talk about, and we can put this all together, is, is like with COVID in football, uh, Newcastle not – Giving money back to season ticket holders, their fur- first, the furlough their staff. I mean, all that happened. It feels like centuries
3: ago. Yeah. I don't
2: even know when the takeover rumors started because it felt like centuries ago.
3: And it's January fifteenth. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, no, seriously, uh,
3: it's, it's like mid-January is when it happened. Two thousand and five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so just uh, we don't have to dive in because we could spend hours on this, uh, but just give a just a general synopsis of. Because both of you have the same feelings, Graham probably more inflamed. Like Elijah and I talked about it on an Emergency Podcast, there's nobody more affected than this than people in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, give give me an idea how just how disappointed you are with just how everything kind of closed out with the season.
4: It's hard. Um, it really is hard um, because we had we had so much hope. It was the only thing that we were kind of clinging on to. Um, we had all that cans and hashtag cans and whatever. And, and that was a laugh. And, and it was just a feeling that everyone was kind of jubilant. They had something to look forward to finally. And then for that to be taken away. The, the thing that annoys me most about the whole process is it was, it was taken away in the manner it was. Um, it wasn 't just the Premier League coming out and saying straight away no you can 't you can 't take over this football club if they had' done that I would have understood I would have still been gutted, but I would have understood, but for to let it roll over and roll over for seventeen weeks was absolutely ridiculous, and to let geopolitics come into it to let other influences come into this and just take it off the tracks it was just absolutely ridiculous and I really really hope that the Premier League suffer because of it um, but as an area I'm not even going to talk about the football club because we know how it would affect us if that takeover had gone through now I know for a fact that the consortium were going to um, put in money to the NHS and um, you know, and that's that's something amazing and close to my heart because you know it's it's just it's just you know to to even do that when you're buying a football club and it, it, they had a very community spirit about it. Um, we saw Jamie Rubin today tweet um, that he's actually been you know funding the the um, food bank as well. It's things like this. It is people's lives it's people's jobs it's the community spirit that they would have brought to this football club this city um because without Newcastle United Newcastle is you know without Newcastle United performing well and without an owner that cares tries has any kind of ambition it's it's it struggles the city struggles
2: yeah definitely does Uh, Elijah, any, any comments, last comments on that before we head to ho- hopefully a little bit of a lighter topic, giving out some yeah. remarks? Um,
3: uh, just my only thing, my only real thing there. And I think Graham hit it on perfectly. And I, I wrote this when I wrote the official official piece saying it was over is that this was personally the most hope I'd seen, uh, in the fan base since Rafa agreed to stay on for the championship season, uh, this last six months, I mean, especially the beginning has just been full of just hope for a lot of Newcastle fans. Uh, for the first time in a while, we saw accounts like War Flags uh, being active again on, on social media and, and fans getting excited about being back. Uh, in, in St. James, people getting excited about buying season tickets again. And it's something you just haven't seen. Uh, and it's rare in the Ashley era. It's happened, you know, three or four times where the fans feel like there's genuine hope uh, for the club. And I think that that's what that's what hurt the most was seeing that hope uh extinguished um and especially being here in the states and, and not really having having to walk uh, around uh newcastle and, and run into all these fans who are just uh absolutely gutted i think it's it, it was tough over here and i can't even imagine how it was uh over over in newcastle yeah
2: all right we're gonna take a break we're gonna do a shot of something and then we'll, we'll talk about something better. Um, (laughs) We'll give away some awards and uh, everyone, I suggest everyone else grab a, grab a bottle, grab some cans too for this. And uh, we'll, you know, celebrate together. Uh, We're going to take a break right after.
4: Grab some tissues and wipe away my tears and then grab the bottle. (laughs) There we go. Perfect.
0: (laughs) For Newcastle fans everywhere. This is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
2: All right, it's award time. Better better things could be happening now because we're going to give out awards. Uh, I know I know from from an inside source with the club the players have been waiting for this all year. Mm. Um, they're they're really excited to see you know there's there's some big awards out that we give and um, I know they've been they've been tuning in week after week to to find out if, if they can get any hints on to, to who will be getting the best player awards and and all that. So we're finally here to get that to them. Um, so the so lads, stay tuned. We're gonna run through it now. I know I know you guys are excited. So uh, grab some beers and uh, let's let's get it started. Uh, so the first award we're gonna do we're gonna say best player for last.
3: Oh oh okay wow.
4: That's oh, do a you shut guys up. not like that? Oh. I mean, no, I, don't I do. I do. It's called. It's, caught it's like best,
2: best picture, like at oh. the Grammys. It's like oh. do that last. Okay. Oh.
4: Okay. Just throw uh, that one out there.
2: No, actually, yeah. Well, all right. We'll do it second to last because we know who last is going to go to the hospital of the season. Yes. Um. So <laughs> we're, we're going to give the bad the bad award first. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, players, if you don't want to know who wins this award. I'd probably, probably tune out right now. Yeah, um, we,
4: should, we should just whisper it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll start with my submission is uh, in the award for receiving the worst player at Newcastle United. Um, my, my nominee for this is Antonio Bureka. No, joke.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, the worst oh, player. Season, Greg. Now I, I just want to uh, clarify that like, uh, I'm, I'm picking players that like played enough. Obviously, like Muto, this <laughs> is disappointment. We all know yeah. he's disappointing. Um, but uh, my he's beautiful player... though. Oh
3: god, <laughs> yeah. absolutely beautiful, he's a
2: gorgeous human being. Uh, so my my worst player of the season, unfortunately, is Sean Monksap.
4: Oof.
2: Yeah, I, I I just like you, and just like we talked about, I I thought that he. Was going to make leaps and bounds. There was so much momentum going into the end of last season and this season, it, he hit a dud. Um, I think he underperforms from what he did mm-hmm. last uh, previous season, and uh, so that that would that would put me in the in that camp. I'm sorry, I hate doing that because I love love the local lads, love the academy players, but I have to be honest and true to my my thoughts. So, uh, Graham, you're up.
4: Okay, um, no surprise from me because I have absolutely battered him on pretty much every (laughs) single match report I've done post-lockdown, and I'm really (laughs) sorry because, you know... Also beautiful.
2: Yeah,
4: He is also beautiful as a woman (laughs) and as a man, and I still love him, and it breaks my heart to say this. It hurts, right? Fabian Fabian Shaw have had an absolute stinker. Mm -hmm. And I have to say... Um, just after lockdown, it, his performances have been nothing short of pathetic. He looked disinterested and my heart shattered in millions of pieces because then I went on to thinking, oh, know, he's going to leave and stuff and he might, but I, I, I don't want to think about that because I'm only just um, coming to terms with the takeover. So, um... Yeah, Fabian Charl. Sorry, Fab. Love you. Yeah, yeah.
3: And Elijah, who is uh, your for spot? me? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we talked about this player uh, quite a bit the past couple of matches. Another player who has been god awful since the restart and has really been bad all season, but the restart has put him under a microscope. Is DeAndre Yedlin? Um, mm. Like Greg, Greg's got the youth team bias. I've got the American bias. I'm going to root for an American all the time and. Uh, I, was, I really thought DeAndre Yellen was going to take a step forward this season um, because last season it was it was a 50-50 coin flip every match between him and Mankio starting, especially in the second half of the season because both had, had made tremendous improvements, it seemed. Um, both had their clear faults um, and both had stuff they could work on. And you thought going into this offseason, both said, okay, all right, well, I've got solid competition at my spot. Um, I should probably work on the things that uh are, are my biggest issues. And Mankeo did that. Manquill improved his one on one defending. He became an option going forward, which he just was not uh, last season. And uh Yedlin like regressed. He uh, <laughs> he was even awful going forward. Uh, and he his his defending got worse. I mean he started things off with the red card. Um so you know, it it just was a, a really poor, poor season for him and, and it honestly like you talk about, you know, the potential of Fabian Share leaving, and, or the potential of, uh, of, of Miguel Amiron leaving. It, the writing's on the wall for DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, the player's not interested in being here, obviously, and the club's not really interested in having him. And there is a market for him, and with a, a short, a, a smaller budget because of the COVID nineteen crisis, or whatever you want to blame the smaller budget on. It, it's it's. Probably likely that we've seen the last of DeAndre Yedlin at Newcastle. Um, but yeah, worst player of the season for me.
2: Yeah, uh, tough one for for you three. Uh, sorry to bring that news to you, uh, but get better. No, no option, awards
4: are no. we in the post. <laughs> yeah,
2: mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our last worst award, and that goes to the worst match of the season,
3: and we're gonna oh snake snake draft it. So Elijah, uh, you're up. Okay. Um. Man, I honestly that uh that Manchester City FA Cup match, um, I think that like you look at some of the matches Newcastle have lost by a lot, which this there is, is, actually, is a
2: this is a great good one. I I'm I'm glad
3: you brought that up. because there's a lot of matches Newcastle lost by a lot. And like the positive of that match is like, wow, you got to see some good goals. They weren't for Newcastle, but you got to see some good goals. And, like, you saw some decent play, like, from the opposition that completely broke down Newcastle. But this was just – this was awful on every regard. Um, just, like, Newcastle just bunkered in, and they weren't even trying uh, to to attack. And uh, Man City were just waiting and waiting and waiting for the opportunity to, to finally score, and they did. It was just – it was probably one of the most boring matches I've ever seen, uh, ever. Yeah. All right,
2: Graham, now who is getting your award? I think I know
4: this one. Well, I shall take the picture. It was raining.
2: Yes, I know which
4: one. Okay. (laughs) And I was in the section of the stand where there was no cover. And I got drenched. And I witnessed a Newcastle United side basically surrender from the first minute um, and it was a 5-0 pump-in against Leicester mm. in Leicester. And I travelled all that way. I drank lots of beer, which was needed. Um, <laughs> and that still didn't numb the pain. Leicester is a very strange place. Sorry, any Leicester people listening, but it, it's a very strange place. And the whole day was not not my day. Shall we and
3: say. the red card from Hayden. I mean,
4: this is... Just... Um, you know what? Jose yeah. Perez's
3: first match against Newcastle, that's a. He didn't score though. He didn't <laughs> no, score, but it was still just like a. The, oh, the wow. Only, that sucks. The
4: only kind of glimmer from that game was the fact, even at 5 0 down, we were still singing, it was that team we call United, yeah. all the way through, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that, video,
2: that was... video went around very quickly about how great Newcastle supporters are. Uh, because we are getting pumped and, and still yeah. sing as loud as possible.
4: But yeah, that that was it was just a depressing day all around.
2: Yeah. So so far we have we have all different ones. Uh, yeah. the worst match for me is two nil loss to Aston Villa. So this one this one was tough. Uh, because Newcastle had, they had their momentum. Everything was was looking great. Uh, from well, I mean it depends on how you look at it. But we were we just we just came off so like beat Man United, lost to Chelsea, and then we drew Wolves, and then beat West Ham, beat Burnmouth, and we were like really going into it like we're we accumulating these points now we're we're feeling it just one two in a row, and we're playing a terrible Aston Villa, <laughs> terrible mm-hmm. side in Aston Villa. It's not awful. They score two goals in four minutes, and we have absolutely nothing to show for it. No energy. Nothing whatsoever. Um, it was miserable. I was so disappointed in that loss because that's, that's the best possible – most Premier League clubs win that match at Aston Villa this year. And that was an opportunity for us to win three in a row at Aston Villa. And the, and the team just didn't show up for it. Uh, it, it was we, – we didn't have more possession than them. I mean, they, they beat us fair and square like they were the better team. And that's very disappointing after how bad we know Aston Villa was this year. Yeah. Um, that was an opportunity for us. You know, like, when you think about, you can go, you can do this with every season, but that's a perfect example of how Newcastle United looked completely differently at 47 points. And there's, there's a few other of these matches where, like, easy should have won matches. Like, we do. two of those this season, we're at 50. So, I mean, it's just like, that everybody has a completely different mindset of this season. So that's, that's the type of thing that frustrates me beyond belief. An opportunity to win three in a row against a terrible side. And, and you just shit the bet. You should absolutely yeah. shit the bed and don't show up. That's unacceptable to me. Like, Lester's unacceptable, but that's also unacceptable. Like, don't, like, you can't do that. To, like, this fan base never shits the bed. So don't do it on the, on the pitch. Simple as that. Um, that's my strong word. So I'll start with the next one. Uh, the next award, we're getting good with good ones now, is the best match, favorite match. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a simple one. It's Crystal Palace one nothing, Miguel Amaron goal. That yeah. was that was that was what I needed. <laughs> I I wish I could t- like say better ones, but that's the one I'm thinking of. That's all I got. Yeah, Graham, yeah. you're
4: up. Okay, mine was the two two against Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, so right after
3: the Villa match, <laughs> it was. Jetro Williams banger too. Uh, yeah, oh, like, you know what? That's it was he does. actually
4: a really really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in the Gallagher end, as always. And I, so I was behind the Kevin De Bruyne goal. You know, I saw him chest it down and strike oh, it. And every it, goal was
2: so good in that match. It was, I'm remembering. Yeah, yeah it
4: now. every single goal was <laughs> was, was pretty special. Uh, Valen's goal was good. And John Shell the <laughs> last couple of minutes, and I yeah. uttered the words to, the, to one of the guys um, standing next to me, why is Atsu taking the free kick? Um, And uh, the guy was like, oh, I'm sure he'll just roll it to Shelby and he'll knock it in. And I was like, all right, mate. And that's exactly (laughs) what happened. And it was just joyous.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, For me, I've I've chosen one that's... that's, It's it's, it's an interesting one for sure. Um, The 2-2 Everton match. Because Uh I literally, and and for me, it was my favorite match because it was a perfect description of everything that was great and also everything that was awful about Newcastle this season, which was they would pull results out of their asses, which which was cool. It was fine. It helped us stay up. But just like... They also played some of the worst football of all time. And Everton was a perfect example. We go down 2-0 to Everton. And I literally, it was so awful. I turned the match off. I was like, I cannot watch any of this anymore. And all of a sudden, my I start getting notifications that we've scored. Uh, Florian Lejeune gets subbed on. And I'm like, at that point when Florian Lejeune gets subbed on, you're down 2 nothing. I'm like, I'm turning this off. I can't watch this. It's like the 85th minute. And he gets subbed on. And, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. I tweeted, like, I'm I've, I've done with the match. And then, like, I get the notification from Fat Mob that – shout out Fat Mob by the way – that Florian Lejeune has scored. And I was like, what? All right, what the fuck? I got to turn this back on. So, I, And then I turn it back on and see just, like, obviously the goal he scored and then just, like, <laughs> him scoring immediately after. Newcastle just snatching a point at the death against Everton for, like, literally the second year in a row where Everton have just blown it against Newcastle. And I I, I genuinely think Newcastle fans um, broke Jordan Pickford. I mean, this guy was the hottest English goalie uh, up until the beginning of last season, coming off the backs of a a World Cup campaign. And every single match they have played Everton, Newcastle played Everton, Pickford has made some ungodly error that allows Newcastle to either win... Or just pick up a point, and I just remember last year watching with an Everton fan as uh, Newcastle came back down from two nothing and won three two, and pretty much every one of those goals was just completely on Jordan Pickford. So I just love that that happened once again, um, and just ninety fifth minute bicycle kick and weird deflection. I just love it when things get weird like that. So that that's the one for me. All right, uh, we'll start. say. I'll, okay, I'll say.
4: Jordan, we didn't break Jordan Pickford. He's always been broken because he's a that. Yeah.
3: Oh, whoa, whoa. Yep. Oh, Oh,
4: Oh,
2: I like there it. Is. And that, and that's facts. That's what we did. Yeah. We, we, just, Great facts. Um, all right. So we're, we're going to do two more like actual awards and then we're going to get to the CHN radio ish <laughs> awards. Um, so the other one is, is what's your best moment of the season, Elijah?
3: Oh, Oh gosh. Um, Probably, man, um, probably the, the Miguel Amarone goal. Um, because, I mean, like, I'm not as big of a Miguel Amarone believer as as Roberto Rojas. Um, I don't think anyone is. I think he's on a different level of Miguel Amarone love. Um, and we love you, Roberto. You're a good friend of mine. But the man is obsessed with Miguel Amarone. But, like, he was my favorite player at Atlanta United. And, I mean, he, your favorite player from one team goes to – your your other team that you've been supporting for for longer, um, it's just great to see all that stuff come to fruition and and to shut up the haters that like you know I mean that he just wasn't worth it all that kind of stuff and just the pure emotion like Greg said that um, that he displayed when he scored his first goal and the fact that it was a win um, it was just great uh, it was it was a great moment all around I was I was extremely happy and to watch that I think it was my favorite moment because I'm in Atlanta watching this obviously with a lot of Atlanta United fans and a lot of fans who are not Newcastle fans in a giant bar that just does soccer uh, on the weekends or football on the weekends. They show every football match. So every supporters group in Atlanta is practically there and the Newcastle game is the only, the only game on. And it, Miguel Amaron scores in the entire bar. It just erupts and goes crazy. And that was just like a bit of raw emotion that I don't think I'll ever forget. It was just, it was so cool to see. Um, Every fan in Atlanta who supports all these different clubs are all just so excited that the McGonagall scored his first Premier League goal. So that's the one for me. All right, Graham?
4: Yeah, um, I touched on it before, but um, yeah, Matty Longstaff against Man United. Oh, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure he only found out a couple of hours before that he was going to be starting in the game. And for him...
2: Remember him calling his, his dad... To try to tell him yeah. was like no you have to come I'm I'm starting a
4: playing. <laughs> exactly yeah um and not only did he score the goal but he he was he was fantastic in that game I think he hit the bar as well um yep. but he brilliant but the, but when that goal went in but it was just it was like pretty much what um and I just said it like the whole there was just an eruption and it was. It was just nice to see a local lad come in and just take the game by the scruff of the neck and and just let's be honest, he took the piss out of Man United that day, and I loved it. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, great. No, he did. Like, I wish uh, that was the headline the next day. Like, Maddie Longstaff takes the piss out of Man United. Um, <laughs> mine is my favorite moment of the season. Well, I'll paint the picture for you. It's February fourth. A cold day in Oxford.
4: What we you were gonna say? It was raining.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, a cold day in Oxford. Two two. Hundred sixteenth minute. Saint Maximin cuts inside, blasts a ball to the back of the net. Runs over to the supporters section, and we got to see a helicopter. That is oh, by my far my the best helicopter. moment of the season. I've I sent that to. Way too many people in America. I was like, "You won't believe what just happened," but here, click this link. Not safe for work.
3: <laughs> not safe for work. Dude, I was uh, I was watching that at work and showed like every <laughs> football fan in my office. We're all just sitting there, gathered around my phone, watching this guy just <laughs> whip <whipping> it out. <laughs> no,
2: no matter, no matter, and that's the thing too is like, no matter who we're playing, like, uh, like you know, Oxford's, you know, they were a good League One side this year um probably should have been promoted but uh congrats to Wickham and uh but it doesn't matter like we could have like we should have destroyed them but it doesn't matter because we just won and to get that last minute goal in the FA Cup against them like that that was that guy's natural reaction he said like he was his natural instinct was I'm gonna whip it out in helicopter. Like, that was just yeah, naturally. Yeah. It wasn't planned. It was like, that's what I'm doing right now. Like, yep, that's really good. <laughs> so, man. respect. My favorite moment of the season goes to that man. I don't even remember his name, but we should have him on the podcast, actually. Oh, God. Let's um, try
4: to get him. We'll, we'll arrange that. Yeah. Oh,
3: do that. Gr- gr- Graham, do you know the guy? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, actually. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He lives downstairs, actually. Um, no. Uh, no, I don't know the lad, um, but I really wish I did because he's my hero.
3: I just just for a little I background I did, story to girl. to to all the new to all the listeners. I I honestly assume that if there's anyone in Newcastle, I just I just assumed that Graham knows them. Like there's, <laughs> I was do, watching like do. House Hunters International, and I'm like, hey Graham, this guy's from Newcastle. Do you know him? And Graham's like, no. <laughs> so yeah, so I just assume Graham knows everyone. I I know um, but all it's not the true, wrong people. But <laughs> it's it's interesting though Graham does know like a lot of just random people at uh, uh, Newcastle I'm like oh okay cool didn't know that Graham knew this guy no all unfortunately right.
4: I do not know the Peenicopter
3: <laughs> well yet,
2: yeah yeah i yeah, are um, gonna make it happen all right so we'll do some uh, some CHN-ish awards uh, <laughs> the first one I think could be unanimous is the swaggiest player of the season uh, oh, I'll go with Alan St. Maximin. Who I've named St. Gucci Max. So, yeah, I
4: mean, that. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there isn't another you, answer. There, there, there just isn't another answer. Um, because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you seen the bloke? Like, yeah. Just Gucci yeah. headbands, for goodness sake. Like, I know. I mean, and, he,
2: and he purposely gets fined in know, training but, yeah. because he's like,
4: I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm revving this. Like, I got a training on there. I can't wear a headband because obviously can't. I'm bald. No, you
2: know. Elijah could Elijah could rock
4: one right now. I could. But, well, yeah, yeah. Um, for everyone who doesn't know what Elijah looks like, um, I shall just explain that Elijah has um DeAndre Yedlin post lockdown hair.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And and like DeAndre Yedlin, I I've I've actually been getting it braided every couple weeks just to. I'm not going to get into black hair care, but it's a little protective style for the summer. Okay, so oh, I- we'll
4: do we'll do a special podcast of that. About-
3: oh yeah. We'll do a yeah. <laughs> it's, it's special on, on yeah. black people hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's Alan T. Maxman. Uh he's got the most clout of anyone in the Premier League. And uh I mean, he's he's taken the league by storm, uh, not only with his, his play, which is just like obviously exciting to watch and just like an extension of his personality but on social media he's hilarious um I remember when he got involved in a fan poll uh which I think also just if you're talking about storylines of the season in a bit like I think it's hilarious how like Newcastle fan like Newcastle Twitter just like invaded all these random polls that involve Newcastle players among other fan bases some Everton fan tweeted out like who's better with Charleston or ASM and like ASM like Got involved and retweeted the poll and like got in the whole old beef with Richarlson. and it's just like stuff like that just makes. And you. And then Richarlson the tagged boy.
2: a picture of him bodying Atsu, and thought it was ASM. It was so that was like what I was, was like that's, that's the, definitely Christian Atsu. And it's, then it's and just, then he didn't he didn't ASM respond with a picture of him in like another random player. Yeah, like, it was like a
3: random. Like, like, it was so funny, dude. Uh, I mean, like yeah. it, that's just one of those things you forget that happened this season, but. I mean, he, he's swaggy, and I think, honestly, for me, what took it over the edge. And, like, and it it's honestly, it's insane that we all have the same player because there are a lot of players in Newcastle right now that have just insane clout, Like, DeAndre Yedlin, as awful as he has been this season, still crazy, not super dope hairstyles, always the fashion icon. And Valentino Lazaro brought that swag with him from from Milan I'm as well. I'm not sure about
4: good hairstyles for Yedlin. Okay, oh when he decides Did you see that to get moth? it graded,
3: I'm just saying, when he decides to get it braided, it, it's great. Um, and I I can relate because braiding your hair is a process, and sometimes you don't want to do it because it's like it's like two hours out of your day. Um, and you know you know. So I understand. I don't
4: have that it. problem.
3: <laughs> um, but but I think for me, what t- took it over the edge was the custom Puma black and gold headband that he oh, threw out God. one day. I think it was. Yep. Yeah, it was so nice. Uh, and I was like, damn, they need to sell that. Right now, and I don't, I don't yeah. know if it's for sale, but I would 100% buy it and like play ultimate frisbee in it or something. That's Even I would buy cool. it. That's whatever Alan St. Maximus doing. Yeah. All right.
2: <laughs> Three to- more awards. Let's go. I
3: think this may be unanimous as well.
2: The Steve Bruce quote of the year, which we will name, we will name this award year after year yeah. from this point forward. Uh, yes, yeah, just in general. Will, and and if the, the last award will be known as the Alan St. Maximin Swaggy Award. Um, yeah. And then this, this award will forever be known as the Steve Bruce quote of
3: the year. Um, There's a lot of them. So, uh, Elijah, what's yours? We'll see if it's you um, I, I know that a lot of people are going to go with, with, with what I believe you two are going to go with, but I do want to shed light on the fact that there was a moment in time where Newcastle uh, played Man City <laughs> and Steve Bruce interrupts the Man City interview with Kevin De Bruyne before oh. the match. And it t- attempts to try to sign him right then and there, which is yeah, he was like He's just coming to Newcastle, which is <laughs> <laughs> just like, which is just like peak Steve Bruce. It's like, and I, I, I say this so often, and I'm sure if you're a long time listener, you've heard me say this. Like, regardless of what happens with Steve Bruce in the future, like we just need to have him still involved with the club at some point, just so we can just get all the the Steve Bruce antics just back because, like, he truly is one of the teams yeah, yeah. Just yeah. do something that's just not that relevant. Just we just need him. We just need yeah. him involved because he's just hilarious. And that was one of those funny moments. It just interrupts this Manson interview to be like, "Hey, Kevin De Bruyne sign for us." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Graham. What's yours?
4: Oh, how's the bacon? Did you say? Yeah, oh, that's it nice for me too. <laughs> it, what? What? I mean, just it wasn't even remotely what I think. It was Keith Downey had asked.
0: It, it, like, somebody how said is how was the
4: break yeah, how is how the is break? The break or something? And then he was like, Oh, how was the bacon? Did you say it? And I was like, what? <laughs> But yeah. So we know we we know that bacon is on his mind a lot. And you know, I'm gonna send him a Christmas present that's you know, maybe some smoky bacon or something.
2: There you go. Uh, all right, La- uh, last real award before our last CHN radio award is the best player of the season. Um I'll start with
4: my oh do you want to start graham yeah i do okay because only just because right he is criminally criminally underrated and just I by hate, you say that i
2: know who you're picking
4: <laughs> and i really 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 hate that he doesn't get any recognition like ever was a kid and for me yeah, He has been phenomenal. He's been through family issues and he's still committed to the club. In Leicester aside, I mean, it wasn't really his fault. I didn't think it was actually that bad, to be fair. Um, mm, really, but yeah. um, he's been great. He he breaks up the play well. He just does all the nitty-gritty, really, you know, that shitty stuff. You know, a bit like Kante, but less speedy. Um, and he's he just... He's just oh, I mean, who doesn't like an Isaac Hayden side tackle? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. who doesn't like an Isaac Hayden?
4: And I, I yeah. And yeah, and you know what? And he's just a good chap. He's a yeah. nice chap. Yeah.
3: yeah, and still just not as not as old as you think he is. He's no, still he's like, not. He's like twenty four, twenty five, twenty five. And
4: yeah. um, I'll um I'll say this: he should be in the England squad.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think that there was a, a a a guy who'd gone around with his England squad, and he had like. You know, there's 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 something to be said about Declan Rice and and uh nope, who's the last not. Phil Foden and it's like sure, I, I'm I understand the young English prospects, But to have Eric Dyer in there ahead of Isaac Caden is just criminal. Yeah. Uh, and Isaac Hayden should just be hundred percent considered and honestly I, I do think that uh there would be I think that it'd be very interesting to to see how England approach um, as international teams are getting back into friendlies uh, match selection, because it really is at this point hard to ignore Isaac Hayden, um, especially with uh, the amount of attention that was brought onto Newcastle, and just how clutch he's been uh, this season. So are yeah. You I, picking,
2: I, is this you picking him?
3: No, my, my best player is Martin Dubrovka. No, oh, no, oh, okay. it's, it's, oh yeah. Dubrovka. It's Martin Dubrovka hands down. Um, obviously, uh, I think the consensus among the fan bases is, is one, Alan St. Maxman, and I don't want to discredit anything from Alan St. Maxman, but Martin Dubrovka started every game of the season, uh, led the league in saves, and um, there are a ton of draws that should have been losses uh, if it were not for Martin Dubrovka. He is a gym, and it is insane that we bought him for four and a half million pounds, or four million pounds, whatever it was. That honestly might be the best Rafa signing at least at Newcastle, you could arguably say for the price, like maybe even the best signing Rafa Benitez has ever made. Oh. Um. For the price. I said for the price now. I mean, like he's obviously signed some quality players, but if you look at the price, inflation included, like you signed, in my opinion, a top five keeper in the Premier League for less than 5 million pounds when uh, Kepa cost, like, 70 million pounds and is absolute shit. Um, my player
2: of the season is Alan St. Maxman. Uh, so I think uh, – I, I don't think we, we score nearly even close to the amount of goals uh, that we do. Especially it's, since uh, the restart. In creating, creating opportunities for us. Um, there was a lot of concern, especially early on when he was getting ke- – building chemistry about just him not willing to pass – but that changed. He, he now is open to creating opportunities for everyone else and then getting his when they come. Um, I thought he was brilliant. And, and obviously he was our only player outside of... I mean, Dubrovka can't really take over games. He can save them. But he's yeah. the only player who took over games on a consistent basis yeah. throughout the entire year. Yeah. Alright. So, uh, in the essence of time, we'll do our last award. The Hasalu of the Year Award. So this one is, is for our love of of Hasalu this podcast yeah. known love of Hasalu. So we're finding a player who reminds us most of Hasalu. Um Hasulu's tenure, specifically at Newcastle United.
3: Real Madrid is
2: Yeah. Real Madrid is yeah, yeah, uh, So I'll, I'll start here and I am, uh, awarding the Hasalu of the year award to Jonathan.
3: <laughs> Way more
2: minutes, but the same amount of goals.
3: Yeah. Um, I'll go next. I'll say, uh, um, Yoshinori Muto, um, because like I've developed this this love for Yoshinori Muto, not as much as I developed a love for Hoslo, and I still do love Hostile And my dream, everyone has their dream podcast guest. Mine is Hoslo. It's <laughs> it's a terrible one in the eyes of many, but I'm just curious. Like I'm just I don't know. It's it's become such a meme that it's like I have to find a way to talk to this man. Um, but but yeah, I mean Muto. It's been kind of funny because like Muto hasn't looked great any like, honestly. You could argue he hasn't even looked good anytime he's played for Newcastle, but uh, like there was some <laughs> there was some like picture that the club tweeted out of him in training, and like the fans were like, Why don't we play Muto more? And it's like, Have we all forgotten that he's not great? So the fans have started to love Muto, and uh, I mean, I love him, I think he's hilarious, and of course. As we found out, probably my favorite moment of the season was just uh, we found out Muto is a really attractive woman. If if, if oh. he would ever have duty reassignment, he Honestly. would uh, he would kill it.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. What about you, Graham?
4: Okay, um, this award can only go to one person, and oh. I can't believe you two have just you know Woo! forgotten about him, um, because I haven't, and he is a sweet, <laughs> sweet prince, the one and only. The legend, Henri Savé.
3: Oh, he comes wow. In, comes into training,
4: right, every day, works his socks off, you know, eats his food, you know, <laughs> eats his, eat his dinner, and then goes back home and, and has a nice, cushy life. And I feel like he's worked his socks off this year, so my, <laughs> my nomination is Henri Savé.
3: That's so
2: great. Love it, love it. Um, any any closing thoughts from either of you before we end this lovely season review podcast?
4: Um, I would, um, I would like to make a wager um, that no matter if we go down next year, which I strongly think we will, um, next season cannot be as shit as this one. Mm.
3: Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Um, That's just a great, <laughs> uplifting way to end this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing I'll say is um, I'm excited for the future of, of not only uh, Newcastle, but I think this podcast, I think we're going to do our, our podcast network in general um, with the False Nine. It's been a great season for us, great season in terms of engaging with our fans. Um, it's been wonderful to hear from everyone. I'm excited to have so many people who uh, actually give a damn about what. Greg and Graham and Zach and Adam and I have to say about just the most random things so I'm excited for this next season uh, of Newcastle and excited for the things that are going to come and return for uh, CHN Radio
2: yeah yeah we're going to have some big announcements coming up pretty soon uh, also and Elijah will have to remember the tweet this but tomorrow is our is CHN Radio's anniversary yes so uh, big day our, our two year anniversary <laughs> yeah. um uh, so we'll have to celebrate that. Uh, but uh, until then, that concludes our lovely season preview of the 2019-2020-plus season. <laughs> um, and uh, we, that's, I'm Greg Foxell. That's Graham Bell. It's the best damn coast in the land of Lash Newsome. You're listening to a fantastic song coming from
1: Newcastle. So sit back, relax, and away relax. Love you guys. Looking at the old time bridge I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the galley gets in the rain I'm coming home To pay you, Jody and to live in Jodie land. Some people think we're forty and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity, and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city, having it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London way. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle at the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hit me I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker who stands at my next door he plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Jody heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster and the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again the dogs at James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London way. i would walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hear me we I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail Back the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog, it's in James's pocket, the gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home